Oh, Baruch Hashem. Yes. Who's that, Gary? I think YouTube is working, even though it's not my phone. And even though I don't have anybody here, Baruch Hashem, good morning, everybody. Good morning. Okay. So, email from Elchanan Pressman. Rabbi Stefanski, good afternoon. Thank you for sharing the story that happened with Ramosha Feinstein. On Matzah Shabbos, I read the story. He insisted that I read it, and he threatened that if I don't read it, he'll sponsor the following day in order that I should read it. And I said, I'm going to read it without him sponsoring. You don't have to. So he goes like this. I'm going to follow your direction and not sponsor Monday morning shear because you shared the story. I'm sponsoring the shear today because of and in honor of my father-in-law, Reb Chaim Zermak of Lawrence, New York, whose birthday is today. Yudir, happy birthday, daddy. Just for your information, his father-in-law, Dr. Moshe Katz's book, 9 out of 10, was written by none other than Nachman Seltzer, a grandson-in-law of the late Rabbi Irving Meisel. Much more than just a great friend of Dr. Moshe Katz. A chon and pressman of family. So Yishkoyach, Reb Chaim, this is not the first time he's sponsoring, this is like the third time. So yesterday I was thinking about um, the nephews. I don't know if they're on today. It's not Matzah Shabbos anymore. I, I was, it was just going through my mind. It, it, it's really a beautiful thing. Here's a guy that owns an ambulance company. And when he comes to Eretz Yisrael, he spends his time schlepping his nephews to Tyra, to Shurim. And it's not easy. You have to get to Ramat Bet Shemesh at 7.15 in the morning. That means you have to get up way earlier, and they're young kids, and whatever. So I thought it was a beautiful thing, and I made fun of them. I said, you know, this is what you get your uncle, you get him a little poster with a happy birthday thing. But I thought it was a, a, a very interesting coincidence, because Achanan Pressman talks about Nachman Seltzer, he wrote a book, and I think it all comes together. On Shabbos, my son was reading this book, Nachman Seltzer's book, I have an amazing story for you. And he tells me, Daddy, you're not going to believe it. You're in the book. So he shows me, he opens up the book, and sure enough, on page 185, I told Nachman Seltzer the story, I never knew it was in his book, and he shows me this story. It's a very interesting story, so i got to tell you the story, because it all ties in. There is a story I remember telling him here, and that is on page 361, and that's about me falling into a sewer when I was three years old and almost died, and, and uh, Simcha Sussman's brother grabbed me out of there, the little boy who fell in. But anyways, here's the story. I was at my brother-in-law's Shavu Brachas, Shavu Shavu Brachas, and Rabbi Sarotskin from Levla Achim was sitting next to me, and I said, Rabbi Sarotskin, you for sure have a good story? And he says, yeah, let me tell you a great story. He says that a, uh, a guy calls him up, and says, Rabbi, I want to increase my monthly stipend to Leiv Achim, my Hora'at Keva. So he says, okay, great. What do you want to do? He says, I want to increase it from $10 a month to 11 So he says, yeah, so the secretary is, no, no, I want you, I need to make sure that you're doing it. So basically, he goes on to say that he learns in Kailal, and his wife was on bed rest, and he couldn't make it on time to night seder. Now that he had a baby, so he makes it on time to night seder, and now he has the extra $10 a month, and he wants to take the meiser, the $1, and give it to Lev Lachem. It's an amazing story. 
So Rabbi Sorotskin was at a, a wealthy guy's house in America, and the guy writes him a $5,000 check. So when he's done writing the check, he says, listen, i got to tell you the story. This guy calls me up, makes me crazy, about a dollar. He's like, this is his whole, like, it's so important to him. He made an extra $10 a month, and he wants to give $1 to Lev Lachem. So the guy goes, you know, that, that's something, that's something. He takes the check, rips it up, and writes him out another check for $10,000. He says, you know, and he tells him, you know, most of the money that comes in from Lev Lachem are from coal guys. The $10 a month, the $15, that's where most of the money, not from you guys, the rich guys. That wealthy guy comes to Eretz Yisrael like a year later, and he tells Rabbi Sorotsky, I need you to take me to Reb Chayin, to Reb Shteyman, to Reb David, give me the whole tour. That's their... So he takes him around, and he takes him to Uri Zor. And when he gets to Uri Zor, Uri Zor is from Lev Lachim, you know, big guy over there. He gives Uri Zor a check. Later on, Uri Zor calls up uh, Rabbi Sorotsky and says, you know, the check I gave you from that guy, did you check what it is? And he says... No, he says, do me a favor, open it up, see what it is, because I want to give the guy a thank you note. He opens up the check, $90,000. So Rabbi Sarasim tells me, this one Kylo guy added $1, but because of that $1, that wealthy guy in America gave Lev Laachim $100,000, or $95,000. So... I was just, it was just coming all together. He talks about Nachman Seltzer, the book that I just realized I had a story in there, and the fact that these boys, they dedicated a birthday for their uncle. The following day, Hanan Pressman does a birthday. So now we have a new thing. Now, because of these boys, their one birthday, now we're going to have thousands of birthdays. Forget about all the yard sides and the Rufur Shlemas. Now we're doing birthdays. All this money goes to a great cause. Happy birthday, Reb Chaim Zermak of Lawrence. Today is 25 days in the Oymer. Shmak. Alright. And now, on to learning. Oh, and one last thing. Yesterday we were discussing the Rosh Golos. They used to wear an emblem if you're part of the Rosh Golos. All the Jews had to wear it. If you didn't wear it, you're in big trouble. Rebelli. I would be, a prou- I would be proud to wear the Rebelli Stefanski badge. Listening like clockwork on YouTube, can't seem to stay up for Zoom. Keep up the great work. Waiting for you to give other shiur and Mishnah Brewer, maybe? I don't think so. David Address. Our good old friend, David Address. All right. Today is Daf Nun Tes. So just to recap, because we, we stopped in the middle of a sugya. Hold on. I have to get my water, which I forgot. Here we go. Still here. Yeah, I did take my cup of water that I was drinking from before and filled it up, but of course forgot it. So it goes like this. We're talking about a bell. The bell, the bell has two components. It has the outer part and the in-bell, the in-bell, or the clapper. And we're talking about if the clapper is removed, the bell remains tummy. Why is it any different than a cleat that's broken? What if you have an oven that you broke it? It's not Tomei anymore. So why is this Tomei? Abayah comes along and says, you know why it's the Tomei? Because any head yoit, any simple person could put the clapper back in. So it's as if it's still in there. That's why it's Tomei. We had a bomb kasha from the scissors that even if they are attached, they're considered detached if you're not working it. So why is a bell considered attached? 
Comes Rava and says, Rava, since I could take the bell and bang it on something and make a sound, yes, it's not the original sound, but it has some sort of a sound, it remains a bell. I don't need the in-bell. I don't need the clapper. It's still a bell without a bell, without the clapper. Therefore, it's Tommy. But what is Rava saying? Rava is saying that it's still using the old purpose, the original purpose. A bell is there to make a sound, so still make sound. Maybe not as good as before, but it makes a sound. And then we also learned Rabbi Yochanan. Rabbi Yochanan Omar, four lines down from the top on the Daphne Tesam Dalaf. Rabbi Yochanan Omar, says Rabbi Yochanan, if I flip it like this way, now I can make it into a cup and I could give a little kid to drink. I think the pshat is because a normal person wouldn't drink from a bell. It's kind of disgusting. Maybe I could fool a kid and give him a drink out of that. Or maybe it's small. It's only for whatever. It's good for a child. Rabbi Eichon is saying though, I'm changing the usage. I'm changing the purpose. It started out as a noise-making machine and now it turns into a water-carrying machine. That's a different, that's a chiddush. That's already another step to say that it remains muktza because it could serve another purpose. Ask the Gemara, and here we're holding right over here. What's going on here? Rabbi Yochanan doesn't hold that the vessel has to continue serving its original purpose, otherwise it loses its tumah. So we're talking about Tumas Medrus here. Tumas Medrus is any of the Azav, Azava, Anidani If they sit, and we discuss this many times, they sit, let's say, on a couch, the couch becomes Tome Tumas Medrus, just from them sitting on it. They don't even have to sit directly on it. They could sit above things that are on it, on pillows that are on the couch. The couch itself becomes so tamay, it becomes an avatuma. Avatuma, anybody that sits on it becomes a rishon. Terror. All our couches are tamay tumas medras today. So, it says in the Pasuk, Bechal hakli asher yeshev alav. Yachal kafa sa'av yashav aleha. Here's a saw. If I have a kli that I measure a saw, or Kofa Tarkav, Tarkav is a half a saw. Tarkav, two plus one, three, three kav. A saw is six kav, so half of that. So if I take this bucket, what is this made? This is made to do sponge, to mop my floor. And I take it and I flip it over, and now I sit on top of this. Now I made a chair. Kofa Tarkav Yoshevaleo. It's great to say shear from home, because now I have all the, I had a, a scissors yesterday, today I have a bucket. What would we do if we were in the best medrash? You see, there's good stuff also here. Kafa tarka v'yoshevaleh, because without the bucket you wouldn't understand what's going on here. V'yoshevaleh yetomeh, tamoloimar asher yeshev olav hazav. So Rashi learns yeshev means in the future. In other words, this, what, in order for something to become tameh, tumas medrash, it has to be like a couch. Something that you sit on it, yeshev, in the future, today, and in the future, yeshev, forever and ever. Who sits on a bucket? No one. One time he sat on it. That's not enough to make it Tumas Medrus. It has to be Yeshev that I am going to sit and the purpose of this Kli is to sit on it forever. 
But if you sit on a bucket, the cleaning lady comes in and she says, get up, I need to do sponja. You're sitting on the wrong thing. Therefore, it's not its purpose, it's not its purpose, it's not mikabel tumas medrus. It could be mikabel other tumah. Let's say a sheretz touched it, a mace touched it, anything else, but not tumas medrus. Tumas medrus has a special halacha, geishav olav, it has to be designed, designated for sitting. So Rashi explains like this. Very important. There are two concepts when it comes to Tumas Medrus. Number one, the one that we just discussed. In order for something to become Tomei, it has to be designated for that purpose, for sitting, for leaning, whatever Medrus works on, basically sitting, sleeping, a bed, it has to be a bed. So you have to designate this thing for a bed. Otherwise, the Tumah doesn't catch. So step number one is, in order for the Tumah to catch, it has to be designated for sitting or sleeping or whatever. Step number two, says Rashi, once it caught on, so Rashi gives an example. Let's say I have a three by three mat that I designated for sitting on. I like to sit on the floor. So I have a mat. It's three by three tfachim. And I go and I cut it in half. Is this mat still able to perform other, other malachas besides sitting? Yes. I could, I could roll my sushi with it. I could do a lot of different things with it. But I just can't sit on it. Oh, so then comes, then now we invoke another cloud. If I could tell the mat, stand up, perform your malacha, which is allowing people to sit on it, and you cannot perform that malacha. Why? Because you're less than three by three tfachim. You're too small for me to sit on. Now the tumah flies away from it. Which tumah? The tumah, the, av, the ava tumah of medris flies away. Other tumas, yes. I can make them tame. I can make this half a mat, one and a half by three mat. I can make it tame tumas meis, tumas sheretz, tumas zav, all the other tumas, but not tumas medris. Why? Because I say, In other words, so again, two things, two halachas. In order for it to become Tomei Tumas Medris, it needs to be able, it has to be designated as a cheer. Halacha number two, once it's already Tomei as a Tumas Medris, it's Av let's say my couch, I take a saw and I chop it right down the middle, the Tumah of Medris flies away. It might be Tomei something else. Maybe I could use it as another purpose, whatever I could use a half a couch for. But since it's not a cheer anymore, the tomb of Medrus flies away. So to Allah's. In two ways. However, says Rebbe when it comes to Tomas Meis, so I have a three, and a three by three piece of mat that, be, that was in the oil Meis. Let's say there's a body in this room. And I had a mat, and the mat became tummy, and then I take a scissor and I snip it in half. That's not going to make the tumma fly away. That halach is only said by Tumas Medrus. So Yochanan is the one who says that I need to be able to do the original malacha. 
even in Tumas Ames, even nothing to do with Medras, Tumas Ames, there's the concept of I need to have the original Tuma, I need to have the original Melacha. Whatever was designed for, that's what it needs to be today. And if I don't have it, the Tuma flies away. If so, let's go back to a bell. How could I take a bell, which is designed to make a sound, and flip it over and use it as a cup? According to Rabbi Yochanan, that's not enough. It has to be designed, you have to be able to use the original melacha that was designed for it. And you just changed it. Says the Gemara, that's a very good question, and therefore, Eifuch Kamaisa. Rabbi Yochanan is not the one who said that I could take a bell and flip it over and use it as a cup. Rabbi Yochanan agrees to Rava. Rabbi is going to have to say that I could take the bell and bang it on the table and make a sound. I, according to Rabbi Yochanan, yes, I need the original melacha. The original melacha was to make a sound. Rabbi Yochanan goes with that tzvara. Rabbi Yochanan does not say that I could use the bell and use it as a cup. I, he says it, too bad. We have to flip it around because we have too much of a question from this halacha over here. Ask the Gemara, oh, my chazes, the avchus kamaisa, ayvuch basraisa. Who told you to flip the bell? Maybe flip this halacha by Tumas Medrash and say, the Rabbi Yechanan holds that I don't need the original melacha. Says Gemara, no, because it's two against one. I saw in another place also, the Rabbi Yechanan holds that I need to hold on to the original melacha, that what? Sandal shebehema. Shematachas. If an animal is wearing shoes, now we're not talking about, we mentioned all the way over there, the shoes that we're talking about is not a horseshoe. A horseshoe, you, you, take, it, you take a piece of metal, and you put nails in there, it never comes off. What are we talking about? Something like this. You guys see what's going on there? If this animal is wearing regular shoes made out of metal, huh? Who's on there? Okay. So he's wearing shoes of metal, Tomei. Now we said that in order for something to become Tomei, it has to be a beged, it has to be noi, it has to be an ornament, it has to, what else? A beged, noi, uh, 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 um, a kli, it has to be kli. What is this? This is for, designed for a, for, for a horse, for a, yeah, a horse. Why is it Tomei? Why would it be Tomei? So when we spoke about a bell yesterday, we said the bell actually gives, I don't know what noise that is, because I see everybody's muted. A bell is actually a clee for a human being. Why? Because the human wants to know where his cow is. It, it makes a ding-dong. It's not for the cow, it's for the human. But why is this shoe for a human? This is protecting the animal's foot. So why is it Mikabotam? Tuma. Lamai Chazi. Omarav. Hold on. Omarav. So we have a three-way machlaikas, but they're basically saying similar things. But a big nafkimine la'alacha. Roy lishtois boi mayim ba'machama. I could drink water out of this disgusting shoe in a war, I, I, I'm running. I'm running for my life. I didn't drink for three days, so I find I find a, a stream of water. I'll remove the shoe from my 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 horse. I'll dunk it in. I'll use it as a, as a cup. It's a far fetched thing, but yes, once in a, in a blue moon, I can use it. So there is 
there is a malacha here. There is, there's a kli. Now, does drinking water have anything to do? Is there, oh, Nachman, you were on when I spoke about your book? I, I can't hear you. I said a Misa from over here. He wasn't on. I, I, came on in, I came on in the middle when you were saying the story. Ah, okay, good. Why did you say it? I can't do Chazar now. No, because a guy, a guy, a guy, I read an email where the guy said that you wrote a book for his, maybe you're familiar with this book, 9 out of 10? You wrote? Moshe Katz, Lawrence, yeah. Right, so his, it's his, it's his, it's his, uh, it's his birthday today. Chaim Zermak, or whatever, the, the, the son-in-law, and Elchon uh, Pressman, the kids are, no, but it all came around circle because I used this story because if $1 became $100,000, and yesterday somebody, um, dedicated a birthday for his uncle. So I said, maybe we're starting a new thing. That one birthday is going to be $100,000 worth for, for Merkaz Dafayoimi, which goes to a beautiful cause of spreading Torah. You never know. But it, it was just a whole thing. Birthday, Nachman Seltzer, the book. And I, and I just found out this Shabbos that uh, a story I told you about Sarotskin is, I never saw it in the book. So whatever. It all it just fit in. Zagdigimara, or just an excuse to say a nice story. Zagdigimara, but drinking water out of a shoe has nothing to do with the shoe. It's drinking water. So it's not its original design. That's not the original purpose. Rukhini says, listen, don't exaggerate. Nobody's going to drink out of this thing. But yeah, you know, you could, you could fill it up with oil and pour the oil on your body. That's not so disgusting. That's okay. When you're running away, he's going to grab the shoes off his horse and use it as his own shoes. Now he can run freely on the thorns. New. So is saying that he's using the original purpose. The original purpose of a shoe is for an animal to walk. Now he's going to walk with it. And that's why it's Mechabal Tumah, because it serves as a clee for a human being. In other words, Rehachan is saying that just because I could drink out of it, it's not Mechabotuma. That's a different purpose. A different purpose. So here you see again the concept that Rehachan holds. It has to serve the original purpose. MMA when it comes to a bell, I have to flip Rehachan. Rehachan never said I could drink out of a bell. Rehachan is the one that said I could take a bell and bang it on the table and make it sound. My bane, Rav the Rehachanino. What's the difference halachically between Rav who says I could use a shoe to drink water? Or Reb Chaninu says I can use a shoe to pour oil. It's basically the same idea. What if, let's say the horse just stepped into a pile of dung. So even in a malchama, you're not going to drink out of it. It's so disgusting. However, you might come to pour oil on you, on yourself with it. And Rashi points out, there's also an afkamina between Rav and Reb because even according to Reb you'll still run away. Use a shoe to run, even if it's disgusting. You don't care if it, there's some dung on it. You just won't drink from it. Okay. Another, that's enough community between Rav and Rabbi Yochanan, says Rashi. And what's the difference between Rabbi Yochanan says, I can use the, the, the animal shoe to run away, and Rabbi Yochanan says, I can use the shoe to, for oil? What if it's very heavy? So I'm not going to run away from it. I'll be the slowest soldier running away. I'll get killed. Therefore, I won't use it as shoe, but I will use it to pour oil on myself. Rabbi Isai, we made it through the sugi of Tumah. Now we can relax a little bit. We're going back to Shabbos. 
We learned in the Mishnah, a woman should not go out with a city of gold. What is this? Where's Judah? He'll start singing now. The golden Jerusalem. What does it look like? If anybody wants to see, it looks just like this lady. This is a chash of a lady who has a double chin. She needs a double chin for the picture because of the kalta that she's wearing. But she's a chash of a lady. She has a Yerushalayim Shazav on her. Okay. Now, says the Gemara Daphnon Tezom the Beis, Kida Ovad The famous story in the Dorm Daphnon. Rebbe Kiva, who wasn't Rebbe Kiva yet, he marries Rachel. And his father in law, Kalba Savua, who was very wealthy, was very upset at the Shidduch. So he wrote him off. He said, I have nothing to do with you. I'm not supporting you anymore. Says the Gemara, according to the Ran, Rebbe Kiva was busy pulling out hay out of his wife's hair. Because that's what they had. They had a little hay. Or Rashi, which is not really Rashi, says that he was pulling hay out of his own hair. I like Ran's Pshat better. So he's pulling the hay out of her hair. And he looks at her and he says, By the way, when I become wealthy, I am going to buy you Yerushalayim Shalzov. Now it doesn't say that he bought it for her. Obviously if he promised her, he got it for her. Then the Gemara goes on to say that Elion Navi knocked on the door and said, I'm so poor, I don't have anything. Could I have a little hay to make them feel good? Interesting, I forgot where it is, but there's a Gemara somewhere that Rav Gamliel, I believe's wife, told Rav Gamliel, she said, why did Rav Akiva buy his wife a Yerushalayim? She said, I also want one. And Rav Gamliel turns to her and says, yeah, if you do what Rachel does, or did, and let me go learn for 24 years straight, I'll also buy you a Yerushalayim Shazav. Anyway, and that's the famous Gemara where he left for 12 years, and he came back, and he went again for 12 years, that whole famous that's that's where it is right over there in the Dharm Dafnon. Now Tyson points out also that we mentioned uh, two days ago that a kala should not wear the fancy the, the crown, but that's only a kala. Other women could. So now we have a, a real typical machlaikis in the Gemara. We have one mandava that says it's mikatzalikatzal. If a woman wears a Yerushalayim Shazav, a fancy thing on her head, she, it's considered carrying on Shabbos, your chayev chatos, it's an isidur raisa. Then we have Rebbe Loza that says that it's not even an isra at all, it's not even a derabanan, she could go out lechatchilo with it. And then you have the middle one that says that if you go out with it, it's isidur rabbanon. Who says this? This is very familiar. This is our Mishnah. Our whole Mishnah is the Rabbanon. Our Mishnah, a woman should not go out with this Tachshit, that Tachshit. All the Rabbanon, because we said a woman could go out with Tachshitim. She go out with, with jewelry. Maybe she'll take it off and show it to her friend. That's called the Rabbanon. It's Potter Avalasur. 
In other words, the Rabbana. Rabbi Lezayimir, Yoytze Yishu B'Yishu Zav, L'chathchila, she should go out with it. But Michael Mifliga, what's the Machlekes? Rameyer Savar Masuihu. Rameyer holds that this piece of gold is so heavy, says Rashi, or the Rishonim, the Tosh explains, then it's not even a Tachshit. You hear what's going on here? This is the most obvious Balgaiva. I hate these Balgaiva. These are the stupid Balgaivas. They don't even have Chochma in their Gaiva. If you drive around the fancy Lexus, so you take all your money, you show everybody I have money, but you gain something out of it. You, you sh- you're pretending that you need this car. It drives faster. But if you take a, a pile, a stack of $100 bills and put it on your head, you're an idiot. You're showing off. Look how much money I have. That's what's going on here. It's not even a tachshit, says say the Rishonim. It's not a beautiful thing. It's a chunk of gold to tell other people, look how, uh, look how wealthy I am. That's an obvious Balgaiva. <laughs> it's a low-level Balgaiva. You have to, you have, to have Chachma when you do your Gaiva. It's literally a burden. You're carrying a, 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 what is it called? A block, not a block, whatever it's called. The, the thing of gold. Sava Masu. MMA if it's a Masu, it's a burden. Doesn't it serve any ornament purposes at all? It's not a Tachshit. Chai Vachatos. No, not true. It, it's a beautiful piece. So the concern is, she'll remove it to show her friend. It's so beautiful. Only a choshev, aristocratic woman walks around with these things. Yeah, she's like a queen. She walks around with her nose up in the air. She's not going to sh- show the common folk her jewelry, we have no chashash. Now, Taisa does point out, what about her necklace? She's a chash of a lady. She's not going to pull off her necklace and show her friend. Nevertheless, like plug. Regular jewelry, unregular women, they take it off to show their friends. So just because she's wealthy doesn't give her an exception in her. So therefore, she's also also for to go out. Yushalayim Shazav is its own category. Only wealthy women have it. And, and wealthy women, these chashva women, don't even show it. Therefore, it's mutter. Kalila. What's a kalila? Ellie, in the case of the choker, yeah. if the whole point of wearing the choker is to have the double chin, why would we be close she's going to take it off to show it to her friend? Oh, very good point. And then we're going to talk about it soon also. But we mentioned when we we're talking about a choker, there are two chokers. The choker in our Mishnah is a decorative one. And it's something you show your friends. And the one in the brisa that we had was, was the one for the double chin. And when we learned it, I'll, I'll remind you that I said then that the one that, that's for double chin, the, the, she won't take it off because then everybody will, will realize her scam. She doesn't really have double chin, so she'll never remove it. So that's why we have to come on to another reason over there that it's so tight that it's a chatzitza, water doesn't get through. But the one in the Mishnah is decorative and that we're concerned that she'll remove. Kalila, Rav Osar, Ushmuel, sorry. What's a Kalila? Tiara. This, a Kala should not wear. And if Kalas wear this in America, I'm not sure why they do it. I think I've seen Kalas wear this. I, not even jewels, but something that looks like this. That this isn't Isser for a Kala to wear it on the day of Chasana because of Zeichel Churban. We don't wear it anymore. But on Shabbos, Rav Osar Ushmuel Shari. 
If it's made out of pure silver, pure gold, a solid piece, or maybe it's, it's uh, what do you call it? Um, not solid, but it's uh, plated. Then we have a concern. It's so beautiful, she'll remove it and show it to her friend. That's the problem. Kipligi daruksa. If it's made out of fabric, just that it has some, some of these little gold pieces in it to make it look nice, that's the machlaikas. What's the main part of it? What is she showing? Is she going to show it or not show it? If the gold is the ikr, then it's awesome. If the fabric is the main part, then we're not concerned she's going to show it. Women don't want to show off something that's not show-offable. Yeah, it has to be something that, 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 that she's proud of. If it's a piece of fabric, it just happens to have a couple of uh, gold pieces sewed to it, she's not going to show it. Ravashi Ravashi says, and we'll see if that a lot of the, the Amaroyim held like Ravashi. Ravashi says, no. When it's made out of fabric and it has a couple of gold things attached to it, mutter, nobody's going to take that off. There's no machlaikis in that. Everybody else is not going to take it off. But when it's salad, then she'll show it off. But some will say no. So therefore, it's also because you might come to show it. Who's wealthy enough to go out with this? You know these rich women with their nose up in the air, look at me, look, I have this She's not going to take it off. It's, it's below her dignity. And therefore, there's no concern and she's allowed to wear the tiara. As the Rashi always says, Rav Yosef forgot his learning. So we had to remind him, Beferish Amrislan Mishmed the Rav. Kalila Shari. If he's saying that a tiara is mutter to wear, must be going in Ravashi. Only Ravashi is the one that says there's a machlaikis in a, in, in, in a salad. Because the Tanakhama holds, there's no machlaikis in a salad. The whole machlaikis is in a fabric. Okay, so if he says, you, you Rav Yosef said, Kalila Shari. Omer Lele Rav. Story. They told Rav, also Gavir Rabba Arika, a chosh of a guy who was very tall came, Linarda, Umatla, and he's limping. Vidorash Klilishari, I guess it was obvious from just the way he spoke, the way he darshaned in public, you were able to tell right away he's a chosh of a guy. They were able to tell. He's chosh of, we don't know his name. Anonymous guy shows up, tall, limping. Does that mean anything to you, Rav? Omar, man Gavir Rabba Arika, Ditla, Levi. Must be Levi. And if so, listen to this. If Levi showed up here in Bavel, it's obvious that Rav Afas died. Explains Rashi. In order to understand the Sugi, we need to understand this Rashi. Rashi explains. Rebbe on his deathbed said, Rebbe Chanino should be the Rosh Hashiva. Says Rebbe Chanino, I cannot be the Rosh Hashiva. Rebbe Office is two and a half years older than me. It's not, it's, it's going to be a bazillion for him. Meet this Tavis. He says, I'm giving it up. I don't, want to, I don't want to take it. It's going to be hurtful for, even though Rebbe told me to be the Rosh Hashiva, I'm not Rosh Hashiva. Rebbe Office, you be the Rosh Hashiva. So Rebbe Office was the Rosh Hashiva. Now, 
Because Rebbe Ofis was the Rosh Hashiva, Rebbe Chanina didn't want to go in. He felt he shouldn't go in. He shouldn't go into the base Medrash. He didn't want to be subordinate to Rebbe Ofis. He was supposed to be Rosh Hashiva. So he stayed outside the door. But he didn't have a Chavrusa. So Levi went and learned with the Rebbe Chanina. Yeah, you get it so far? Rebbe Ofis is the Rosh Hashiva now. Rebbe Chanina is by the door. Levi goes to learn Torah with Rebbe Chanina. Says Rav, if Levi showed up over here, what does that mean to me? Rabbi Ofis died. And if Rabbi Ofis died, then Levi's Chavrusa had to leave. He couldn't be his Chavrusa anymore. Rabbi Chanina stepped in. He did what Rabbi told him to do. He became Roshiva. Okay. Therefore, it makes sense that the Roshiva died. Therefore, Levi's Chavrusa, Rebbe Chanina, became the Roshiva. Oh, so he was bored. He had nobody to learn with Levi. Because, Ilacha. So he traveled to Babel. As the Gemara, maybe his Chavrusa died. Maybe Rebbe Chanina died. Rebbe Alphys remained the Roshiva. Levi just lost his chavrusa. He didn't have a chavrusa. He couldn't go. He couldn't go into the base medrash. So he came to Bavel to find somebody else to learn with. Maybe Rav Ofes remained the roshiva. And he didn't have a chavrusa because of the lacha. Says the Gemara in Misa the Rebbe Chanina Shachiv. If Rebbe Chanina his chavrusa was nifter, Levi the Rav Ofes making a chavakai So Levi would go into the base medrash. And learn with Rabbi Ofis. Because at the end of the day, Rabbi Ofis was two and a half years older than Levi. Right? Levi and Rabbi Chanina were the same age, the same... Rashi says they were the same age, they had the same power in learning. Neither of them was greater than the other. But he would subordinate himself to Rabbi Ofis, who's two and a half years older than him. Two and a half years makes a big difference, Rabbi Yisai. So, and another reason why I know that it's not Rabbi Chanina that died... It's impossible that Rebbe Chanina wouldn't be the Roshiva. He had to be the Roshiva. And now the Gemara tells us what Rashi says in the beginning. When Rebbe was on his deathbed, he said that Rebbe Chanina must be the Roshiva. Tzadik says, So it's impossible that Rebbe Chanina died without him ever being the Roshiva. Okay. Darash Levi Minarda. And what did Levi say? Kalila Shari. A tiara is motor. Like Ravashi, that even it's salad, there's a mandama that says it's motor. Nafak, in that minute, Nafak Esrim Arba Klile Mikula Narda. The entire Narda, 24 women. Oh, we have tiaras. We're allowed to wear it on Shabbos. All of a sudden, you see women going to Shul for Kiddush. They come with a tiara. Shama Aleichem. Darash Rabbi Babu Abba but Machaiza was much wealthier than Narda. Kalila Shari said that Kalila's mother, in one courtyard, there are 18 women, compared to the entire Naharda that 24. How many Mavais are there in Machaiza? Who knows? Dozens of Mavais times 18. So there are many, many more Kalilas in Machaiza. You hear this? The second the rabbi passed in his mother, poof, they're all out that minute. Maybe I'm just thinking of, that maybe Fakir, maybe they wanted to show that that's the Allah. They weren't doing it. Look at my tiara. We had an 
if the halach is like that, let's institute it on the spot that it's motif. Maybe. Big dami, the anisko. Where am I? No. Om Rabbi Lomar Shmuel. Kamra Shari. A fancy belt. Today we're familiar with these belts. Pradas and Gucci's and whatever they're called. Ikid Amri Daruksa. Some people say, like we had before, it's made out of fabric, this belt, but it has a little gold on it. So it's like a talus out of gold. So Rashi says something very interesting. And Avi, don't go to your video now. This is not video material. I don't know if you probably have all seen this. A guy going to the TSA in America, going through trying to get his flight, and he undoes his buckle, and before you know it, his pants drop to the floor. That's what Rashi says. So he's not going to remove his belt because it's dangerous business to do that. Before he knows it, he's walking around like he doesn't want to walk around. Okay. We're talking about a solid belt. Mamish made out of a real expensive gold. It's okay to walk out with it. Now, it happens to be that Rishonim here say, that there's a difference between a man and a woman, men inherently don't show off their stuff. They never whip, take off a belt or, or a, a, a ring, whatever they have in those days, and show it to their friends. That's not the derech of a man. Okay. So we're not concerned that he's going to take it off. And Mamela, just like a king goes out with a belt, he could also go out with it. What if you have a double belt? Sugar. We said a belt is okay. What if he has two? He's like, another... Aves Balgaiva. Look, I have a Prada and a Gucci. Look at this. I, I'm a Choshev. That's, that's literally carrying. That's a burden. That makes no sense. You, you can't even fake it. It's not to hold up your pants. This is a burden. Which is a corset. Maybe even men used to wear it in those days. Basically, you take a piece of uh, fabric and you wrap it around your body. I mean, it doesn't really fit with that uh, double chin gemar. You know, they, they, they want it to look fat. Whatever, to shape the body in a certain way, you take it, you wrap it tight around your body. Shari, if it has these ties, like you tie it tight, and I'm not concerned it's going to fall over in Rosh Hashanah, I'm going to start carrying it, that's Mamish Bizyan, you're walking with a corset, in Rosh Hashanah, all of a sudden falls down, you really have to pick it up quickly before people realize what you're doing. But if it doesn't have nice straps, ties, it's problematic, you might come to carry it. My katlo, what is this katlo? So we discussed it many times. It's this, it's a bib. This is a bib to catch crumbs, the Gemara says. My katlo, manketo a bib, pare, most pshatim is crumbs. Pare is crumbs to catch the crumbs. Now, on the top of the bib, you have this gray thing right over here. That the woman, it's wide, so it's not really going to choke her. Because it's wide, it's smooth, and that lifts up the chin, it creates a double chin. That's the kalto. So, like we said, one of them is a, a, a decoration, it's a jewelry, and she might take it off to show her friends. The other one, she might take it off when, when going to the mikvah, because it's chatzitza. Nizamim. What's a nezam? Nizmeaf. So if it's right here, it's easy to get to. But if it's over here, if it's on the ear, 
that's harder to get to because women, they have these bands, they have their hair going down, so it's, it's, it's complicated to remove an earring. But it's very easy to remove nezemaaf. I was just thinking to myself aloud, if when Mashiach comes, so are we going to dress the way we dress today or the way they dressed back then or everybody's going to dress like they're, so these women are going to show up with, with rings, with signets and with, with the tiaras and like what's going to happen exactly? I don't know. I'll go upon it. If it has a signet, then it's a real burden. It's not jewelry anymore. And it's says, Therefore, you see that if it has a signet, it's not considered jewelry, because if it's considered jewelry, there's no iser deraisa. It's only al She might take it off to show her friends. Jewelry of a woman becomes what is it? What's in the list? Katlais, we just said, chokers, nizamim, earring, uh, nose rings, vitabais, and rings. And it says mafurish, vitabaz, ben ben Whether it has a signet or not, it's mikabotuma. In other words, that's it. It's considered, it's in the category of jewelry. It's in the list. What's jewelry? The Gemara says, what's jewelry that's mikabotuma? A ring. Even if it has a signet. So a ring is jewelry if it has a signet. So, so this is a, one of these questions that there's no way out of it, really, unless you say it's somebody else. You blame it on somebody else. We had this already. What if the actual ring is made out of two parts? The ring itself is made out of metal. But the signet, which makes sense, the signet is usually made out of a softer material, something else that you could engrave, is made out of wood. Alma, we said back then, might be coral, some sort of wood. Tmeo. He shall almoig, because we go by the ring. The ring itself is metal. I don't care what the signet is made out of. He shall almoig, but if the ring itself is made out of wood, you know, like some one of those rings you buy in, the, in that machine, you put in a quarter, and out comes one of those wooden rings, Oh, but on top it has a signet made out of metal to hire because the main ring is wood. When it comes to a ring, you always go by the signet. So, signet metal equals tumma. Signet wood, not tumma. It's a shutikliyate. Somebody asked me right after the shi was over the other day when we learned it, but the, in order to put the signet in, you need some sort of groove in there. And that makes it not shutikliyate. It has a groove. I told him that we shouldn't discuss it because once you put the signet in, it's there for life. So it loses its groove. Fine. Ba'oil halach arche achar salmoinov. So we have this. Back to Yoni, this is the oil, this is what controls the animal up and down, and then you put the salmonov. So you, this is really not there for the yoke as much as it is to hold this in place, and therefore you go by the salmonov, up and down guys, okay? You see the up and down, the vertical guys, not the horizontal. The koilov, 
Koilov is this guy selling his goods in front of the store, and he has, you see these pegs? He has these, these things sticking out of, this, out of the wall, so you can put belts on it, you can put all sorts of stuff. So that board, the triangle board, is let's say wood, but the, the gray guys, this right over here, is metal. So it goes by the koilov, the, 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 the hanger that you hang your stuff on. When it comes to a ladder, it goes by the steps, what you step on, not the sides. So if the steps are metal, tome. A scale, it goes by these guys. Whatever this is, according to Rim Nechemia, that's what is Mikavot Tuma. Okay, we'll finish with this. That what? The Maimed is, let's say we're talking about a scale, this is the Maimed. The thing that holds it up. When it comes to a ring, what, what holds up the signet? The actual ring. We don't care about the signet, we care about the actual ring. What holds up the step on a stair, on a ladder? The sidebars of the ladder. What else? The koilov. That board, a display board. It's the board that holds up the koilov. It's the masmer. It's, it's not the masmer that's holding the belts, but it's the actual board that's holding the metal part. And therefore, that board would be tar in our case because it's only wood. Have a wonderful, wonderful day.